Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. We were surrounded by fire. It took us too long. I knew we were in for it. When residents of Paradise evacuated their homes threatened by the campfire burning in Butte County, the town had an evacuation plan, but it didn't work the way it was supposed to. They knew where to go. They knew how to get out of there. The issue was you had 27,000 people leaving at the exact same moment. It was gridlock, and it was so frightening, especially when we saw the flames on either side of the road, and everybody's at a dead stop. You're sitting in the middle of a fire. Today, why even the best evacuation plans were not enough. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. Paradise is, they call it, the ridge. Ryan Lillis is a reporter for the Sacramento Bee. He's been covering fires in California for more than 10 years. It's a elevated uh, ridge about 1,400 to 2,000 feet above the Central Valley floor. It's about 15 miles up the hill from Chico, California and Highway 99. It is surrounded by a lot of uh, very steep canyons tall pine trees, and that, and that topography, frankly, is what, you know, fueled this kind of situation. People must know that this is an area that gets fires, right? Definitely. In fact, I was there in 2008 uh, for two fires. More than 800 wildfires are burning tonight in Northern California, an area that hasn't had a good soaking rain in months. It was an event that Cal Fire still refers to as the 2008 siege. Statewide, the numbers change drastically. There's over 100,000 acres that have burned so far. There were dozens of fires that broke out in Northern California, many of them sparked by lightning storms. 80% of the U.S. resources and firefighting are right now in California. And there were two fires uh, in the Paradise area. There was the Humboldt fire, which was set by a suspected arsonist. That fire raced right up to the, to the side of Paradise. It threatened the city. And then just a month later, another fire broke out. And that fire was called the Camp Fire. That came down into the canyons, but never made its way into the city of Paradise. So just 10 years ago, you had two rather major, pretty frightening fires come right up to Paradise's front door, but the town was spared at that point. You mentioned how you were covering the fires in 2008. Were you actually in Butte County? Yeah, I was in Paradise. In fact, uh, driving around the town, and I recall thinking to myself at that time, uh, I'll, I'll be back. I'm sure I'll be back in Paradise at some point um, really? just because of that topography and because of how close both those fires had come to Paradise. So the city of Paradise back in 2008 was threatened, uh, but it wasn't destroyed like it was this last week. Did the city do anything to respond to those fires back in 2008? Yes, absolutely. In fact, I, I spoke to the mayor of, of Paradise, Jody Jones, uh, last week, and she said that that 
that 2008 event was a, was a wake-up call. The area around Paradise has been hit several times with fires before. But 2008 is when things really started to change. The city started putting together an evacuation plan, which was presented to the city council a couple of years ago. Is a presentation by North Division Chief Cal Fire David Hawks and Jim Brashears pertaining to the emergency evacuation practice drill. This is practice. They went through this very unusual uh, exercise of holding a, a mock evacuation drill for the town. We'll have an opportunity to train together and uh, hopefully both understand each other better so that we communicate better during an actual incident. They cut the town into geographic zones and the thought was if a fire was coming toward the town that they would then evacuate the town uh, by zones, you know, maybe two at a time, three at a time to um, kind of have a steady flow of evacuations. I think you already know and everybody in the audience should know that the brand new one-way evacuation public, and, uh, public brochure is complete now and available. And this is a drill that only lasts a couple hours in the morning. And Not hour. even a couple hours. One hour. One hour. They did it during a morning rush hour where they cut off some streets. They had people out there. They had you know emergency personnel directing traffic. And on the major thoroughfare out of town, it's called the Skyway. It leads from Paradise down into Chico. They made it one way in both directions um, so that people were all flowing out in the same way. You know, I did promise that something like this would happen after 2008. It took me eight years. But it's done, and we're proud of it, and we're proud that we're continuing to move forward. And I, I ran these plans past, past an expert from UC Berkeley over the weekend, and he said, man, this is, this is as advanced a, a evacuation plan as any town he's heard of in Northern California. So they were prepared. They had done everything they could to prepare. And the sense I get is that uh, the town residents were on board. They understood the danger. They understood what they were supposed to do. And if you see the videos of people evacuating. There's the house. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. This is crazy. On our way out. They, they knew. They knew where to go. They knew how to get out of there. The Skyway closed? Northbound. Okay, we're going down into Chico? Yeah, go down this way. Down Mule? Yeah. Okay, thank you. So it sounds like the city did follow the evacuation plan that it created, but it was just that the fires just moved too fast. They followed the plan in that they set up the evacuation routes. They weren't able to do the plan that they wanted, which was to evacuate just a few zones at a time because the fire just overwhelmed them and they just had to basically evacuate the entire town. Uh, I remember that officials in uh, Santa Rosa and the North Bay said that one reason why they didn't want to tell everybody to evacuate earlier was because they didn't want to have jammed roads and a bunch of traffic. But it almost seems inevitable that that's what's going to happen unless you have a lot of time. And we're seeing that cities don't have a lot of time to tell the residents to get out. Do you think that this changes the way we consider even like the smallest threats of fire going forward? You know, a colleague of mine made a comment today, um, and it's not something I, we've had a chance to follow up on, but he made a comment and said, why don't these towns have alarm horns, basically, like, a, like you would see here in a, a hurricane zone or a tornado, you know, in the Midwest, when there's a fire coming, the, the, the horn blows to warn the entire town. Again, the thing about this fire was it broke out at 6.30, and by noon, the town was gone. 
which is remarkably fast, that this fire clearly moved faster than the fires in Santa Rosa. Uh, it was just such a fast fire. It didn't even burn the trees in town. I mean, it singed the trees, but it just went through and just plowed through the houses. And the, you know, the trees are still standing. That's how fast this thing moved through. And to destroy upwards of seven or 8,000 households you know, in, in six hours just tells you just how fast this thing was. Right. This same conversation happened about how quickly these fires moved and how surprised people who were living in, in Santa Rosa at the time were at how fast these fires moved. Yet at the same time, we spent decades expanding homes in these areas. And it does seem like there's this tension between where people want to live and, and in a way, Mother Nature saying the climate change has created this world where that's now dangerous. Climate change um, is contributing to the severity and the frequency of these fires, but to only blame these events on climate change is a cop-out. Local planners, county planners, city planners are still allowing homes to be built in areas which they know face a wildfire threat. Paradise is this town that, that knew the risk, prepared for the risk, and it still didn't help much. Does that mean that we're not assessing the risks correctly? I don't... Frankly, I don't know what they could have done differently in Paradise. Uh, they were they were prepared to get people out, but there was nothing that was going to save this town. How has the conversation changed? You've been talking with experts. You've been talking with people who've had homes in these areas. It has changed from uh, people being completely shocked and caught off guard and just so surprised by these events to almost... Um, an air of, of inevitability. Paradise, you know, it was always in the people I've talked to up there, the mayor residents, they've said, you know, this was something that we, we knew at some point paradise was going to be hit head on by a fire. I don't think in anyone's imagination that they ever thought that a fire would do what it's done to this town. What will be interesting is over the next decade, because California is in a housing crisis. And so it's probably not too politically you know, popular to say we got to limit the amount of housing we're building anywhere in California, frankly. You know, places like Butte County, they already had a housing crisis before this. I didn't know that. Now they've got 7,000 households yeah. without homes. I mean, geez, what's going to happen there? You know, and so uh, short of not building houses in, in these areas, you know, I'm not sure what else will be done. Ryan Lillis reports for the Sacramento Bee. You can find his reporting at sacbee.com. By Tuesday evening, 48 people were reported dead. The campfire was 35% contained. Now, we still don't know the cause of the fire, but there is an open investigation into whether PG&E played a role. The utility company reported an incident involving sparks close to where fire officials believed to be the origin of the campfire. To see more of KQED's fire coverage, click the link in our episode notes or visit kqed.org. Thanks to KQED reporter Jeremy Siegel for letting us use some of the interviews he recorded with residents who evacuated. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for The Bay. Talk to you Friday. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. 
I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.